Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. Before we begin today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to talk about dogs. Dogs have been an important part of Canadian history from the very beginning. The first dogs to arrive in Canada came from Siberia over 12,000 years ago. They were used for hunting, pulling sleds, and as companions for the indigenous people who made their way across the Bering Strait. In the 17th century, European settlers brought dogs with them as well. And like the indigenous people, they relied on their dogs for companionship, hunting, and protection. Dogs have been some of Canada's most beloved heroes. In 1909, a Labrador retriever named Polar Bear helped the explorer Robert Perry reach the North Pole. In 1916, Canadians were captivated by the story of Bruno, a sheepdog who was rescued from war-torn Europe and refused to eat after his person passed away. In 1941, a Newfoundland named Gander saved the lives of several Canadian soldiers during the Battle of Hong Kong. Over the centuries, dogs have served Canadians in an ever-expanding variety of ways. Today they work in law enforcement, detect cancer and COVID, help find missing children, and enable the blind to get around. But for most Canadians, dogs are much more than just working animals. Their loyalty, friendship, and unconditional love have made them part of our families, Countless dogs are beloved characters in Canadian art and film. Their stories have been told by such noteworthy authors as Farley Mowat, Lucy Maud Montgomery, and Stephen Leacock. They can make us laugh, they comfort us, they remind us of our better angels, of what our character could be. And perhaps that is why we love them so much. Which brings me to my puppy, Boris. Boris is a 10-year-old... Irish Setter, Newfoundland Cross, the same breed as Gander, actually. Recently, he began hacking up his food. His bark became raspy, and he's having trouble breathing deeply, so I took him to see the vet. Boris has the canine version of Lou Gehrig's disease. His spinal cord will slowly degenerate, and over the next one to three years, he'll progressively lose control of the muscles he uses to play, bark, eat, and breathe. There is no cure, and the cause remains unknown. But there is a way to slow it down. With the laryngeal paralysis, Boris needs surgery. Without it, his constricted larynx will get worse faster, and he may pass away in only a few months. The problem is the surgery costs $5,000, which is well beyond what I can afford. So I'm asking for your help. I've set up a GoFundMe to pay for the vet. If you'd like to contribute, just click the link for Boris Fundraiser in my show notes. And if you've donated already, thank you. If you've shared, thank you as well. Thank you for helping us get a few more precious years together, because it means the world to us both. Before we begin, I want to say thank you to Leslie Y., who made a wonderful donation to the podcast. I really appreciate it, and right now all donations and Patreon goes to helping my dog get his surgery that he needs. Since Vincent Massey had become the first Canadian-born Governor-General, there have been Governors-General from Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec. So far, both coasts of Canada had not been represented yet, but that would change with Romeo Leblanc, who succeeded the very popular Ray Natitian as Governor-General. Today, I'm looking at his life. Born in New Brunswick on December 18, 1927, Leblanc was raised in Memramcook, and then went on to attend the University of St. Joseph. 
He would earn a Bachelor of Arts in 1948, followed by a Bachelor of Education in 1951. None of LeBlanc's siblings went to school past grade 8, but two of his sisters wanted to ensure that he had a proper education, and they contributed to his schooling, helping him graduate from high school and later post-secondary. Romeo LeBlanc grew up in the Memramcook Valley, the youngest in a family of eight children. This is the old homestead. His older brother, Leonard, still lives here in Cormier's Cove. Did you play around here with Romeo? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, the kids from around, they used to come and we'd play, we'd play ball in the summertime and we'd, we'd be, there's always something to do. But it was clear at an early age, Romeo preferred reading and writing to athletics. Dory LaBlanche was his elementary school teacher. But I would say that his best subject was uh, expressing himself, composition, even in grade three and four. After graduating with his degrees, LeBlanc became a teacher at Drummond High School from 1951 to 1953. He then moved to France to study French civilization at the Université de Paris. His professors wanted him to go for a doctorate, but his brother back home had died from a brain tumor and LeBlanc decided to help support his widow and children. He returned to Canada in 1955 and began working as professor at the New Brunswick Teachers College, serving in that position until 1959. In 1960, LeBlanc changed careers and began to work for Radio Canada as an Ottawa correspondent until 1962, then as a United Kingdom correspondent from that year until 1965, and then he spent two years as a United States correspondent from 1965 to 1967. In 1966, he married Jocelyn Carter, and together the couple would have two children, and they would divorce in 1981. The same year he got married, he joined President Lyndon Johnson as a correspondent during his first trip to Vietnam. In 1967, LeBlanc moved into politics for the first time when he became the press secretary to Prime Minister Lester B. Pearson. LeBlanc felt that the opportunity was too good for him not to leave his job in Washington, D.C. He would say in an interview in 1971, quote, I loved Washington, but I couldn't think of a good reason for saying no, end quote. On December 15th, LeBlanc had a very busy time. First, his boss, Lester B. Pearson, announced he was retiring as Prime Minister, resulting in LeBlanc having to handle that. At the same time, his wife gave birth to their first child. The Montreal Star reported, quote, Caught in the middle, pulled from both ends, torn between the two was Romeo LeBlanc. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Yesterday he was everywhere. At 5 a.m. he rushed his wife, Lynn, to the Ottawa Civic Hospital, Neither of them had slept much. At 8.15 a.m., he rushed to the office of the Prime Minister, who had slept quite well. End quote. After Pearson retired in 1968, LeBlanc continued in his role with Pierre Elliott Trudeau, serving until 1971, when he became the Director of Public Relations at the Université de Moncton. He would serve as the Press Secretary of the 1968 campaign for Trudeau, and he had covered campaigns as a reporter, but in the future, he would say he would not do any campaigns. He would say, quote, I would not do another one. That is the way you get heart attacks. End quote. The Ottawa citizen wrote, quote, The rotund, rather old-fashioned figure of Romeo Leblanc, scarred but still unbound, ambles away from Parliament Hill this week after four years of directing press relations for two prime ministers. End quote. Some in the press believed he had a falling out with Trudeau, but this would not be the case especially considering his close working relationship with Trudeau over the next decade. He would say upon leaving the position, quote, 
There is conflict in any press office, trying to reconcile the best treatment for the press with overall responsibility to one's boss. There is inherent tension. This is a grueling job. End quote. Overall, he enjoyed his first foray in the national spotlight as a press secretary for two of the most influential prime ministers of the 20th century. He would say, quote, I've enjoyed it. It has been a rewarding experience, even if exhausting. End quote. In 1972, he made the next jump in his career when he was elected to the House of Commons as a Liberal MP. He would say, quote, People want you as their advocate, explaining their problems to the government and the bureaucracy. Most MPs work their butts off. Oh yes, there are a few who goof off. But the great majority work very hard solving the problems of their constituents, and there are a great many. End quote. One fascinating aspect of this election for LeBlanc was that to win the nomination to represent the Liberal Party in his riding, he had to defeat another Romeo LeBlanc, who was also going for that same nomination. In 1974, LeBlanc became the Minister of State for Fisheries. The Ottawa Journal wrote, quote, The mere fact that Mr. LeBlanc is a New Brunswicker automatically elevated his standing among the thousands of fishermen, plant workers, and those indirect associated with the fishing industry of the East Coast. End quote. LeBlanc would say that he was not the Minister of Fish, but the Minister of Fishermen. In his first address as Minister, he would impress many in the industry by giving his personal philosophy about the fishery in terms of how it impacted the maritime socially, historically, and economically. He would say, quote, In a year when Newfoundland's great fisheries seemed for a time to have turned into a long calamity, when our Atlantic catch appears to decline for the sixth year in a row, when markets for the catch are jammed, I find almost everything about the fishing industry singularly unfunny. The economists among you probably know a hundred different ways to analyze the fishing industry. Who, though, takes the view of the fishermen? How many of us would go to work in the morning without any idea of our pay? How many of us would put ourselves in the place of the fishermen, exchange our way of life for his? End quote. In 1976, LeBlanc was appointed to the cabinet post of Minister of Fisheries and the Environment, but very little changed in his portfolio, and he continued on in relatively the same position. By the early 1980s, he continued to serve in the fisheries portfolio, except for a brief period when Joe Clark and the Progressive Conservatives were in power from 1979 to 1980. This made LeBlanc the longest-serving holder of the portfolio in Canadian history to that point. As fisheries minister, he would see the Canadian territorial waters expanded from 12 nautical miles off the coast to 200. He would also establish a new fisheries licensing system and begin to implement quotas and zones to protect Canadian fishermen from trawler competition and overexpansion. He would also convince Trudeau to close Canadian ports to Soviet fishing vessels, which would lead to better cooperation with the Soviets. He also implemented a policy that forbid all foreign corporations from holding commercial fishing licenses in Canada. In 1982, he finally left the fisheries portfolio and was made the Minister of Public Works. And in 1984, LeBlanc chose not to run again, and before Trudeau retired himself, he appointed LeBlanc to the Senate on June 29th. LeBlanc would also support Jean Chrétien in the Liberal leadership race. He would say, quote, we have to decide if the Liberal Party is going to stay Liberal. That is why I am here. End quote. For the next decade, LeBlanc would serve in the Senate. During that time, he would serve on Jean Chrétien's leadership bid in 1984 and was part of his election strategy team in 1993. After the election, LeBlanc was named the Speaker of the Senate on December 7, 1993. In 1994, Prime Minister Jean Chrétien announced that LeBlanc would become the new Governor-General of Canada. 
It was also a big year for LeBlanc as he married Diana Fowler that year as well. One can associate the residential school system with tuberculosis and tuberculosis with the residential school system. We had indigenous parents, communities, students, church employees, teachers, and individuals who are part of Indian Affairs, like Dr. Peter Henderson Price, giving their critiques in their own time. People hid when the tuberculosis screening came to their communities because they knew that the result of getting screened was that they, they could be taken away. I believe a lot of people were used, government officials who just thought they were doing the right thing. They were doing what they were told. First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples are already told our story. It's now time to tell the other side of the story. We need to take a serious look at the parts of the system from the past that we may be replicating today. I'm Maya Foster Sanchez, and this is the story of a national crime. Coming this fall, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sworn in on February 8, 1995, LeBlanc was the first politician from the Maritimes and the first Canadian of Acadian origin to serve in the position. On top of that, he was the first former member of the Parliamentary Press Gallery and the first former senator to serve. Interestingly, the first choice to become the new Governor-General was not LeBlanc, but hockey legend Jean Beliveau, who would decline the honour. Upon his appointment, Preston Manning, leader of the Reform Party, and Lucien Bouchard, leader of the Bloc Québécois, criticized the fact that LeBlanc was a former liberal politician and a close confidant of Jean Chrétien. Manning would say, quote, I'm uneasy about the entire appointment. I don't mean any personal offense to Mr. LeBlanc. I'm sure he is a fine fellow. At this point, I think it is unwise to have a personal friend of the Prime Minister in that position. End quote. Of course, the previous Governor-General, Ray Natitian, was also a cabinet minister for the Progressive Conservatives, so it goes both ways. Both men refused to attend the installation ceremony. John Harvard, a Liberal MP, would say, quote, The Governor-General's office deserves respect, and what Mr. Manning and some of his colleagues did was sad. The installation of a Governor-General is nonpartisan. The office is above politics. End quote. At the installation ceremony, among the usual 21-gun salutes and speeches, there was also entertainment, which was a first in the Senate chamber. The Dance of the Broom was performed, and Dan Hill sang a song for the Governor-General. In his first speech as Governor-General, LeBlanc would say, quote, In our separate villages, we lived our separate lives in our separate worlds, except when fire destroyed a barn. Then families with names like Cormier and Taylor worked shoulder to shoulder, putting up a new one. When one family fell on hard times, another family was there to help. In this great country, very few share the same past, but all of us can share the same future, especially if we refuse to permit the past to poison the future." End quote. Good evening. It was everything you would expect and then some. Romeo LeBlanc was sworn in as the country's 25th Governor General today, and while there was all the traditional pomp and pageantry, there was the common touch too as well as an unmistakable pitch for national unity. We begin with the CBC's Paul Adams in Ottawa. It was a day of extravagant ceremony for a man who has a reputation as unassuming. Romeo Leblanc was escorted by his friend Jean Chrétien. They've been liberal colleagues nearly 30 years. This is a constitutional ritual that requires the presence of the powers that be and those that once were. 
in the Senate chamber where he was until recently the Speaker, LeBlanc took his oath of office as Governor General and representative of the Queen. That you will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of Canada, her heirs and successors. I do. Nowadays, the Governor General is expected to be above partisan politics. But in welcoming LeBlanc, the Prime Minister defended his own vision of a united, bilingual, and multicultural Canada. He finished with a personal tribute to LeBlanc. Your Excellency, I have known you as a man who has not sought glory for himself, but has simply striven to serve the people of Canada. There were musical tributes as well. This one from pop singer Susan Aglukark in her native Inuktitut. LeBlanc's speech seemed to elaborate on Chrétien. He gave a picturesque description of his childhood as a Francophone Catholic Acadian living next door to Anglophone Protestants. We shared the land, the forest, and especially we shared the water. LeBlanc was once a TV reporter. And it was his advice to journalists that got the biggest reaction from this audience, mainly of politicians. Having worked as one of you, I ask this of you. Give good news a chance. As the ceremony ended with the singing of O Canada, Canada's new Governor General seemed momentarily in awe of it all. He spent many years in government, but for the next five, LeBlanc's job will be to represent the nation. An unceremonious man, LeBlanc now takes on Canada's most ceremonial role. Paul Adams, CBC News, Ottawa. It was clear throughout the day that LeBlanc has never forgotten, never lost touch with his roots. He grew up in the Memramcook Valley, a close-knit community in the heart of New Brunswick. The CBC's Cass Rusi was in the valley today and got a first-hand look at a hometown's pride. It was here that Romeo Leblanc went to college. Today they watched as Leblanc became Canada's first Acadian governor-general. At a nearby seniors' lodge, one of the buildings was named after Romeo Leblanc, the senator. Today it was Romeo Leblanc, governor-general. Pretty big day for Memram Cook. Very big. I suppose you'll never see anything bigger. <laughs> His brother Leonard said this is a proud day for the small Acadian community. I never thought <clears throat> that an ordinary, an ordinary person could reach that point. Longtime school chum Alia Cormier recently found this old photograph of a young Romeo as a Boy Scout. So I had it enlarged and I gave him one like that. Well, he was quite delighted. The two still keep in touch. As part of his first official trip, Romeo LeBlanc will come back to the Memram Cook Valley and spend some time with old colleagues and friends. And in keeping with the new Governor General style, this trip will be low on pomp and ceremony. Cass Rusi, CBC News, in the Memram Cook Valley, New Brunswick. As Governor General, LeBlanc focused on citizen involvement and the Indigenous while also promoting history and the armed forces. Continuing in the tradition of his predecessor, LeBlanc continued to make Rideau Hall more accessible to visitors. He extended visiting hours at the estate, and in July 1996, 
he began to allow the public to visit state rooms, gardens, and greenhouses. When LeBlanc became Governor General, 40,000 people per year were visiting Rideau Hall. By the time he left the post, 125,000 were visiting per year. When the Quebec referendum of 1995 dominated the news, LeBlanc made the specific decision to not get involved in the political debate, but he would speak on the merits of Canada. He would say, quote, The Governor-General has traditionally abstained from taking part in political debates, but if you ask if there is a role for me to promote the merits of Canada, the answer is yes. End quote. In November 1995, LeBlanc created the Governor-General's Caring Canadian Award to recognize, quote, the everyday courage and dedication of ordinary people who have made extraordinary contributions to their families, communities, or country. End quote. On June 13, 1996, LeBlanc proclaimed June 21st to be National Aboriginal Day to recognize Indigenous groups across the country. The day was created to focus on the heritage, cultures, and achievements of the First Nations, Inuit, and Métis. He would say, quote, Many cities in Canada are less than a hundred years old, but Aboriginal people have lived in this land for more than a hundred centuries. The day of celebration honors the native people who first brought humanity to this great land. End quote. In August 1997, he would issue a statement on the tragic death of Princess Diana in Paris. He would say, quote, We will miss her, and all Canadians extend the greatest sympathy to her sons and her family for their tragic loss. End quote. In June 1998, LeBlanc held a summer celebration, a tradition that dated back to the 1860s, and over 8,000 people showed up to celebrate, which showed the increased accessibility seen at Rideau Hall during LeBlanc's tenure. On April 1, 1999, LeBlanc signed the Royal Proclamation to establish Nunavut as the newest territory in Canada. He also established the Governor-General's Millennium Edition of the Map of Canada, which was taken to space in 1999 by Julia Payette a future Governor-General. He also had the claws and tongue removed from the symbol of the Canadian Viceregal Office, stating it was impolite and un-Canadian. The reaction to this was mostly unfavorable, and the original standard would be re-implemented after LeBlanc left his office. By the time his term as Governor-General was winding down, LeBlanc made it clear to Prime Minister Chrétien that he was not interested in an extension. Chrétien would say, quote, you have to understand that he is in his fifth year of his mandate, so it is an indication that he is not very interested in an extension. I'm not surprised he does not want to see his mandate extended. End quote. Over the course of his time as Governor General, LeBlanc took part in upwards of 400 events every single year, which was taxing on him as he aged. There was a speculation that his health was the reason for the lack of extension, but his office stated this was not the case. The release said, quote, Anything about his health and things like that, all the excuses that are offered as an argument for him to quit early, that's not true. End quote. LeBlanc's term as Governor-General came to an end on October 7, 1999. In his last day as Governor-General, LeBlanc simply boarded a train bound for Moncton, New Brunswick, and made no speeches as Adrian Clarkson took over the role. One person would say, quote, He was sad, and his wife was visibly so. End quote. On the train platform, 100 soldiers waited for him to do their final inspection. Later, he would save his plans after being Governor-General and returning home, stating, quote, It feels a bit strange because although I've gone back, going back was always interrupting work, going for a holiday or family reasons. But now I'll probably think to myself, where do I go after this? The fact is, I'll go nowhere, end quote. As Governor-General, LeBlanc welcomed many heads of state to Canada, including Bill Clinton, 
King Hussein, King Abdullah II, and Nelson Mandela. He also took eight state visits abroad, becoming the first governor-general to visit the Czech Republic, India, Pakistan, the Ivory Coast, Tanzania, Mali, and Morocco. He also gave 791 speeches and attended more than 1,800 events during his time as governor-general. He also welcomed 68,677 guests to Rideau Hall for social functions, not counting the thousands who visited as part of tour groups. Over 60,000 came for the teddy bear picnics held over the last two years of his tenure, for one. He would say, quote, I expect to be lazy for some time, passing the time burning logs, end quote. His wife would say, quote, I just want to sleep for a while. We've had so many experiences, I think you just have to sit down and think about it, end quote. From 2001 to 2004, he served as the Chancellor of the University of Moncton, and on June 24, 2009, LeBlanc died at the age of 81 after a long battle with Alzheimer's disease. His son, Dominic, would say, quote, My father, as a governor-general, was exactly the same person when he was assistant to the rector at Moncton University as he was when he was a backbench MP or minister in government. He was someone who loved simplicity, who was modest in his personal life, in terms of public life, my father always saw the state or the government as a good tool, not the only one. End quote. Prime Minister Stephen Harper would say, quote, Romeo LeBlanc will be greatly missed not only by those who knew him personally, his family, friends, and former colleagues, and all those whose lives he touched directly, but also by those who knew him only as a public figure, one whose warmth and dedication to duty in his country are his legacy. End quote. Former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien stated, quote, He was a man with very great qualities. He was very proud to be Acadian, very proud to be Francophone. End quote. At the residence he once graced, Romeo LeBlanc is remembered. He was a man known for his simplicity, his serenity, and his generosity. LeBlanc became Canada's first Acadian governor-general in 1995, and a people celebrated. Acadians fetched one of their own who'd risen through political ranks to the vice-regal role. Former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien chose him for the role and remembers a good friend. He never became a snob, he never became an elitist, he never been comfortable with the wealthy and or did not seek their presence. And He was a man of the people and very proud of his roots. Romeo LeBlanc's roots reached into the heart of Acadia in rural New Brunswick, where he was born and raised in poverty. A strong academic streak led him to teaching. In the 1960s, he became a correspondent for Radio-Canada's CBC's French network. From Washington, he reported on some of the more turbulent political moments of the decade. It was work he loved, but he was called home by a prime minister and a sense of duty. He served as press secretary to Lester B. Pearson and Pierre Trudeau and had a hand in powerful moments in history. In October 1970, he helped edit the Declaration of the War Measures Act, delivered live to the nation by then Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau. Freedom and personal security are safeguarded by laws. The two men became lifelong friends. Romeo was one of the rare, real friends to my father and of my father's, and uh, that's something that, uh, that I knew both of them held in, in, in high value throughout their lives. Trudeau convinced him to run for office. LeBlanc served as an MP from 1972 to 1984, distinguishing himself as fisheries minister, where he made history by establishing Canada's still-existing 200-mile fishing zone. 
he became the champion of the small fishermen struggling against the large companies. I don't apologize for government intervention. Uh, no, the, the, the common resource called the fish is the property of this nation. In 1984, Leblanc was appointed to the Senate. He was named Speaker in 1993. His life at the center of power was only part of Leblanc's story. He was a devoted father to Geneviève and son Dominic, a liberal MP. We never had any doubt that the most important function that he had in his life was to, was to be a devoted and caring and generous father. Uh, and he was a remarkable parent. As Governor General, Leblanc continued to advocate for the under-celebrated, creating a Caring Canadian Award and instituting National Aboriginal Day. He returned to New Brunswick as his health began to fail. He'd been robbed of much quality of life in the last number of months. And I think he's at a much better place now than he was earlier today. Romeo LeBlanc died at his home by the sea. He was 81. Susan Bonner, CBC News, Ottawa. As with other governors general, LeBlanc was given a state funeral, which was attended by Governor General Michel Jean, Prime Minister Stephen Harper, and former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien. In February 2010, LeBlanc was honoured with a stamp by Canada Post, and a park in his hometown was named for him. An airport in Greater Moncton is also named for him. One last thing about LeBlanc. He is the last Governor General I will be covering who has passed away. From this point on, as of this recording, all of the rest of the Governor's General are still living. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Romeo LeBlanc. Next week, we're looking at Adrian Clarkson. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Martin Strache. Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Pringnitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Maclean's, Montreal Star, Wikipedia, Ottawa Citizen, Calgary Herald, Windsor Star, Edmonton Journal, National Post, Montreal Gazette, and the Victoria Times Colonist. Thanks, and see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.